0: Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like, you, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Transportation Authority of Marin Funding Programs and Legislative Executive Committee meeting. And happy New Year to all. Jennifer, can I get a roll call, please? Yes.
1: Commissioner Carmel. Here. Commissioner Frederick.
0: Here.
1: Commissioner Rice. Here. Commissioner
0: Saffioti. Here. Chair Colbert. Yes, I am here. Agenda number one, Chair's report and Commissioner's comments. Chair does not have a report at this time. My fellow commissioners have any comments? Seeing none, we'll move on to item two.
1: Chair, may I just make the public- Oh yes, please. Great, thank you so much. Um, This meeting will be conducted as a hybrid meeting. The Zoom webinar link has been provided as well as accommodations for in-person attendance. The members of the public participating in person with the committee chair will recognize persons from the audience who wish to address the committee during public open time or on a particular agenda item at that time, that item is considered by the committee. Members of the public participating by Zoom may provide verbal comment on any item during the open time for that particular item by using the raised hand feature, dialing star nine and waiting to be called upon to provide your comment. Meeting related comments may also be sent to info at tam.ca.gov and will be read when the specific agenda item is considered by the committee and will become part of the public record. Please note that there is a two minute limit for comment. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jennifer. We'll now move on to agenda item number two, the executive director's report.
2: All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back for 2024. Uh, I do have a few updates to share. So uh, I'll start with the Santa Rafael Third Street Rehabilitation Project, which Santa Rafael started construction on in spring of 2022. This is one of the major roads projects that was first identified in Measure A. And the overall cost for the project is close to $21 million. And um, TAM is contributing about $12.9 million from the Measure A and AA funds. The project consists of pavement rehabilitation, pedestrian and bike safety improvements, curb ramps, intersection improvements, utilities, uh, lighting and traffic signal upgrades, tree additions, reconfiguration of the roadway between West Street and Shaver Street, and the main uh one of the main features is a new eight foot wide class four separated bike lane on the south side of second street with a dedicated sidewalk for pedestrians um center substantially completed the project in late 2023 and i believe there is a ribbon cutting um, tentatively scheduled for this friday morning um the project is essentially done but there will be a few punch list items remaining so that's another exciting milestone and um, one of the, I think there's maybe one more major roads project of the original set identified um, after this one and that's Nevada Boulevard, so this was kind of a nice um, uh, step in the whole major roads program as well. Um, Also wanted to uh, provide some news on the marine commutes program which we talked about at the Commission meeting in December, um, and that is that Starting January 15th, we will be launching the Marine Commutes New Year Commute Challenge, which is a six week campaign. So running January 15th to February 25th. And during this time, participants can earn additional rewards for logging green trips. Um, and this really builds on their year round rewards program that we heard about last month. So keep an eye out for more information at marinecommutes.org and help us spread the word as well. We always appreciate that. Um, And you might've seen the nice article in the Marin IJ about the program last week as well. Couple MTC related items. Um, In December, TAM staff attended an MTC transit priority policy workshop, which was an initial discussion uh, that they hosted to develop a regional policy on transit priority. And um, the policy is expected to accelerate and support the implementation of transit priority treatments that are aimed at increasing transit speed and reliability throughout the Bay Area region. So um, staff will continue to participate in this effort. And um, we uh, are also continuing to support coordination between the local transit operators and the local roadway owners, um, which sometimes um, needs some additional coordination, I'll just say. Uh, So the policy is expected to be developed by mid 2024 um, and part of the reason for it, of course, is to help further support regional transit recovery efforts. Um, another MTC item is that they uh, recently released um, some kind of policy guidance for jurisdiction on VMT reduction. So they now have a set of templates and examples and some other resources for local jurisdiction plans and policies to support VMT reduction. Um, So uh, some examples include the development of parking or transportation demand management policies, VMT fees, um, local road safety plans, which um, TAM is actually nearing completion on, uh, one of those uh, local road safety plan countywide that we've been doing in conjunction with the county, um, as well as things like Vision Zero Action Plan and bike and pedestrian infrastructure action plans. So this is also a little bit related to the Caltrans planning grant that TAM was awarded last year, um, and we just last week received a notice to proceed from Caltrans, um, and this was to develop a VMT toolkit for the jurisdictions in Marin, and that will include actually much more localized VMT data and um, appropriate mitigations to help reduce VMTs throughout the county. So the MTC um, guidance or policies are much more sort of generalized, and then TAM will be working on more kind of marine specific tools as well. Um, and the last item I have is uh, related to the North South Greenway Gap Closure Project, and that is to Announced that the next segment of that of the North South Greenway, so on Old Redwood Highway in Larspur, um, and this is the part just south of the um, Madera Creek pedestrian bridge or bike and pedestrian bridge that was completed uh, two years ago. Um, so, taking that further south on Old Redwood Highway to the pedestrian overcrossing and the Highway 101 ramp, it's a little hard to describe, but some of you know that area. Um, So that part of the the project between the bridge and the pedestrian overcrossing is um, scheduled to begin construction this week. Uh, That's the news. So construction is expected to take about five months to complete. So um, by next summer or this summer, I guess, the new multi-use path should be open to the public. And uh, the city of Larkspur is actually administering that project with support from TAM's design team. So some continued collaboration there. That concludes my report. Happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you, Anne. Any questions?
3: I'm just curious, what is the cost for the that part of the north south greenway? Do you know Bill here? I'm sorry? What, get... That's okay.
2: What, uh, what is the approximate cost for the north-south Greenway? Um, the segment on old road and the highway? Approximately a half million.
3: That's the total cost. Or that's the PAM portion of the total cost.
2: That's the total cost, right? That's the construction cost. Construction cost. Yeah, thank you. And, and there's a there's also, a variety of sources contributing yeah. to the the funding to that.
1: And is that a protected bike lane on Old Redwood
2: Highway, or is it separated? Mm, it's on the roadway. It's. <laughs> Once you come on up for <laughs> a second. <laughs> okay. So Commissioner Sackett was asking, is that a protected bike lane or uh, what's the... Situation? It's a class
3: one facility, so it's a bike and pedestrian facility, 12 foot wide.
0: And it's separate from the road. Okay. by With the curb. Great. Any other comments, questions? All right, you're dismissed, Phil. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 Thanks for joining. Um, Jennifer, any uh, public comment online? We're not seeing any in the room. Uh, Chair, I don't see any updates at this time. Okay, great. We'll move on to item number three, Uh, and that is uh, public comment, uh, open time for public comment. Open time for public expression is up to two minutes per speaker on items not on the agenda that are within the subject matter of the agency's jurisdiction. All members of the public are welcome to address the committee. Under the Brown Act, committee members may not deliberate or take action on items not on the agenda, and generally... May only listen. Jennifer, I'm not seeing any public comment here in the room.
1: I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair.
0: Thank you so much. We'll move on to item four approval of the meeting minutes from November 13th. I'll make a motion to approve.
4: Second.
0: First by Commissioner Carmel, second by Commissioner Fredericks. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? None. Motion passed. We'll now move on to item five. Oh, actually, no. Any comment, Jennifer, on the minutes?
1: I don't see any hands raised.
0: Thank you so much. Now we move on to item five. What a great way to start out the year. We're going to adopt the 2024 legislative platform. I believe we have a special guest in 3D. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we do indeed. So I think most of you know Gus Corey, who's TAM's uh, legislative consultant for all things Sacramento. And uh, we're pleased that Gus is able to join us in person, live and in person here today, to walk through the um, draft 2024 legislative platform. So Gus, Gus can talk more about this, but just in general, um, you know, there aren't a lot of major changes, I would say, from last year. We cleaned up some language and um, you know adjusted some things to the current year. Uh, there are some you know, task forces that kind of went out of business last year, new ones this year, so that kind of thing. Um, tried to streamline it a little bit. Um, but uh, Gus can give kind of more of an overview of what's going on in Sacramento and then get into the details of the platform.
5: Great. Thank you, Anne, and Happy New Year, Mr. Chair and Commissioners. Uh, Gus Corey, State Legislative Advocate. A pleasure to be here. I uh, want to thank you also, uh, as well as the full board for extending uh, my contract. Uh, very much appreciate the relationship that I've had with Tam. Uh, you're like extended family, and I'm just happy that I could try to that. So, um that. We're off to um, a, a busy start to 2024, which is to be expected. It's an election year. Uh, this will be, uh, believe it or not, uh, the original uh, or the, it's the first class that turns out under the new term limits, the 12-year members. Mm-hmm. So we're expecting about um, uh, a quarter to 30% of the legislature to turn over after 2024. 20, uh, and so uh, it's going to be an active ballot. Um, as I'm sure you're well aware, uh, there's ACA 1 that's on the ballot, which lowers the vote threshold for uh, bonds and infrastructure uh, measures. Uh, there's ACA 13, which legislature put on the ballot to try to combat the California Business Roundtable initiative, which still doesn't have a ballot designation yet. And that's to make everything a two-thirds, even for uh, general taxes and such. ACA 13 says, well, Business Roundtable then has to to get that approved by a two-thirds vote. So it's going to be a very confusing ballot just with those three measures alone, notwithstanding any other local or regional measures that uh, might be before the electorate uh, this November. Um, Compounding things is uh, the legislature, I don't think, did itself a favor by delaying the uh, collection of taxes uh, this past fiscal year. So um, we had deferred until October, and then it was November 16th. And unfortunately, we had only collected 18 billion out of the 42 billion that Governor Newsom was projecting. And so, what was a $31.5 billion deficit uh, for the January budget last year has mushroomed to a $68 billion deficit. And it may be more, who knows? But we'll find out Wednesday for sure when Governor Newsom issues his fiscal year 24 25 state budget. But the amounts are kind of confusing. So, just to walk you through it really quickly, it's 31 and a half, which they thought they addressed in um, June without having the benefit of all the tax collection, which is personal income tax, capital gains, uh, corporate taxes, et cetera. And then there's a $14 billion uh, shortfall for fiscal year, 24, 25. And so the fear is while transportation is not funded through the general fund, they actually did us a favor by having us rely on special funds like the gas tax and vehicle registration fees, is that for one time, uh, augmentations like the Senate Bill 125 um, a trailer bill, which gives uh, money to transit. Now, all things being considered, MTC dedicated most of those monies to um, BART, but there is a $150 million uh, pool of funds where Marin Transit, Golden Gate, and others that maybe draw upon. There could be a clawback on those funds as they try to figure out how do we keep those sectors whole: education, health, and human services, which full higher you know, then transportation. So something to definitely pay attention to. Um, uh, we're excited uh, to have, you know, waiting for February 5th for Senator McGuire to take over his new post, as Senate um, President Pro Tem. Um, uh, Assemblymember Connolly sits on uh, the Assembly Budget Committee for uh, Natural Resources and Transportation. Uh, Speaker Revis, uh selected Lori Wilson, who's a North Bay member uh, from the Sloan Transportation Authority, former mayor of Sassoon City, to head up the Assembly Transportation Committee. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a bit, you know, it, it, there's never been a better time to be a North Bay resident, I would say. if We care about infrastructure, mobility, and such. Uh, so we look forward to working with them in their new capacities uh, there. Is
6: that why you're a person?
5: <laughs> I like coming here. The air of fresher. Um, so with all that being said, um, you know, the Ledge platform doesn't deviate too much. If you want to follow along, what we do is we give a clean version and then there is um, a, a, a mocked up version, if you will, so that you can see the changes. And so, as Ann mentioned, uh, there's not too much, but I just want to draw your attention to a couple of of themes in here. So um, with respect to item one, which starts on page 19 is the draft that I'm going off of. Um, The the Senate bill one provides really the best opportunities to acquire state funding. And we've been incredibly successful with acquiring resources from that, from the various competitive programs under Senate Bill 1 to fully fund the Narrows to look for money for say Highway 37 and such. And so um, I know we're talking um, to Caltrans and our sister you know counties, we'll see if something comes up, but the, the active transportation program is a component of those competitive programs in our local jurisdictions. I may also elect to uh, put in applications for, for that. Um, applications I think will be due towards the end of the year and then um, awards in the middle of next year. And so uh, that's that's one of our priorities. We're just refreshing that information, if you will, there. Um, in lieu of uh, really uh, two things on the funding front, um, the, the gas tax uh, is just, um, it's a diminishing funding source. And that's even with uh, Senate Bill One being enacted in 2017 and having the inflationary adjustment, it's because there's more folks telecommuting. Um, 25% of all vehicle sales are now uh, non-gas powered, uh, you know, vehicles. Um, so that's having a substantial impact on uh, funding for local streets and roads for the shop program, which is um, what Caltrans uses those resources to maintain. The state highway system and then for our the state transportation improvement program which we don't receive money from at the current moment but we will because we're a county, and we get our proportional share of gas tax funds and so being a smaller county you know not getting those dollars hurts us you know even more and so um so we need a success resource and there's been this road user task force uh, they've been in existence for about 10 years haven't really done too much they have a pilot program to implement a mileage-based user fee. Uh, We're not really sure what the fee is going to be, but there's concerns about uh, the regressive nature of a mileage-based user fee. And we have a lot of service workers here that drive up into the county and such. And so Senate Bill 1 does have a vehicle registration fee component, which is uh, progressive. That's what funds the Senate Bill 1 competitive programs. And then uh, even on the rail side, there's some uh, funding there so uh, legislators and um, other uh, regional transportation planning agencies from across the state are maybe looking at that as an opportunity especially when you're factoring in equity and the impact on disadvantaged communities and such so something to keep an eye out on uh, and then the second item is uh, the restoration of truck weight fees and that's an item one year so the legislature all the bonds that were previously sold to voters so think of uh, the high-speed rail bond act Think of in 2006, we had uh, all the various propositions, 1B for transportation, 1C for housing, et cetera. Those were all general obligation bonds, meaning that the general fund was responsible for paying down the bond debt service. Well, when we got into a cash crunch in the mid, you know, the the, the early, um, what was it, 2008, I suppose, um, Department of Finance said, hey, look, we can't rely on the general fund. We're gonna turn this stuff into a revenue bond. And so they started taking what they called the truck weight fee. So these are fees assessed on commercial trucks. Uh, they generate about $1.5 billion annually, and they're using that to pay down the bond debt service. Well, even if we got a portion of that funding back, that could augment active transportation. It could help maybe with transit. Um, it could maybe finish out some of our other priority projects, something on 37, the, the 580 101 connector, whenever we're ready for that. So. Just wanted to kind of make mention of that as a possible funding source. So that's item number one. There's not too much uh, change on item two. It's um, addressing mobility, meeting state climate uh, change mandates. The biggest thing to keep um, uh, be mindful of on this one is the cap and trade program is set to expire in 2030, and that's problematic because uh, safer like the transit and intercity rail capital program, which Marin Transit, Golden Gate Transit, SMART. Rely upon to get um, infrastructure funding. Uh Cal so the State Transportation Agency, can't program funds after 2026 because there's just no more capacity, which, you know, it's um, so that's gonna create anxiety as far as, well, then how do you finish building out a system? Uh, how do you uh, you know, maintain uh you know your ability to keep up with say ARB regulations to switch over? Yeah the hydrogen buses,
6: et
5: cetera. Can I ask a question? Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, please go
6: so ahead. So are you saying that right now that uh, whatever city fund is being funded through cap and trade? That's where people, I mean, I'm trying to get the understand the relationship between the cap and trade program and that funding source, and then also just the... I guess uh, an assessment of how well cap and trade is actually working.
5: Yeah, so on the first I one, I mean, it sounds
6: good if it's throwing money at transit, but actually,
5: yes. Yeah. So there's there's actually um, two pots in the cap and trade program. One's called the Low Carbon Transit Operations Program top in the world of acronyms that we live in, and uh, that goes towards operations funding. uh There's been legislation where say. Or in transit, can use that to maybe provide free fares, you know, to whoever they like, and such. And so it augments what they receive um, uh, as far as I they guess. Goes.
6: I guess what I'm asking I'm is, to what degree is cap and trade program meeting our climate goals in terms of actually working to drive down greenhouse gas emissions and transition industry to cleaner methods of doing whatever the heck they're doing? Can you answer that? I guess that's actually okay. probably not in your
5: I mean, it's really the only thing that we have. I can get you specifics as far as data. I mean, I could ask about that. We're not going to meet our targets. I mean, that that we've set forth, tell you that much. I mean, that's why they extended it from 2020 to 2030. I don't know if we're going to get to our 1990 levels as far as what they hoped.
2: We can look into that. I I mean, the, the auctions, you know, I mean, the way it works, right, is the credits are auctioned off and the auctions are continuing to... Um, raise a fair amount of money. So you could look at that two ways, right? One, either like, oh, industry still has a long way to go, and that's why they're continuing to kind of need these credits. Um, the other way to look at it is it's good for transportation, it's good for transit. It's you know continuing to raise revenues for important. Well,
6: it creates projects. a funding stream for the state that it doesn't have to that doesn't have so it doesn't have to pull from other funding sources. But it was all about GHGs. Right. right? So now it's just becoming embedded in the system, but maybe not doing anything. OK, I'm feeling cynical. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can look into that. Yeah, I think <laughs> the Air Resources
2: Board would have information related to that question. Right. Okay.
5: So then item 3 on here, which is on the bottom of page 21. We'll oh, have one
6: more. Yes. One more thing. Um, I don't know if it falls under under number two that we were just talking about or not, um, and it's also on the. Um, I understand that, uh, and this goes towards meeting our goals to transition all of our transit to uh, non-GHD emitting. And there's a problem with electric bus supply and the capacity of the very few manufacturers that actually exist. And I know that's more of a federal issue, but I'm just wondering if the state is aware of that and if there's anything, maybe it's not an alleged platform, but it just seems like it's pretty critical.
2: On
6: yeah, I mean, um,
2: I have heard this also. I think you know, local bus operators are having trouble procuring enough vehicles, and some of them are not as reliable as the transit operators need them to be. And the costs have not come down the way I think a lot of people were hoping or anticipating that they were. They're still very expensive compared to the cost of a diesel bus. And so I don't know to what extent you know the state writ large or the Air Resources Board in particular is, is aware of this. I mean, it, it is widely known in the transit community. Um, so, you know, I would assume that California Transit Association or similar groups are sort of starting to raise this as okay. a state issue, but we can also Because what it
6: comes down to is that also that by USA yeah. piece. Right. By America.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a federal piece. But you know, the state's um, zero emission bus or clean fuels, clean fleet mandate. I forget the exact title, but the regulation that requires transit operators to basically be zero emission by 2030, like it is going to, I mean, it is going to cost a lot to get to that level if the market continues the way it is. So I think that's the state's sort of interest. Yes, and that's that's why I raised it, because
6: we should be interested in that too. Yeah,
5: Yeah. and it's been whack-a-mole, right, with the, the various fuel sources. I mean, first it was diesel, then it's CNG, and then it's hydrogen, and you don't get the useful life, and so we get dinged by the feds we're not having something in service for 15 years and then they want to claw back money or penalize us. So it's a real issue. Right. But and, there
6: is a manufacturer that's Chinese that BYD that yeah. has a really excellent range and the fairly. Yeah, so anyway. So
2: Commissioner, is that something that you would like us to Could highlight a little more on China our platform just, just kind of monitoring think? that issue?
0: Uh, so wait, I think uh, Commissioner um, Saka has a question and then Alice, you have a question too. Oh. Sure.
4: So. Go ahead. Go ahead button that. Yeah. I'm, I think it makes mine sense, sense to. About, uh, about yeah, mine
0: oh, is about that. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. All right. And Ms.
4: Fortman? Yeah. I, I just had a question. So so I heard you say that part of the costs that make the issue of, of transferring um, the, the uh, fuel source in, in public transit is because they're not reliable. And it'd be good to know how much of that is true because I've heard. Jurisdictions justify buying more expensive electrical vehicles for specific uses based on the life of the vehicle and the accumulated costs. It would be nice to know if that's a factor that would make it more plausible that they make the. Vehicles more reliable.
2: Yeah, I mean, what I've heard just anecdotally from transit operators might not apply at all to the kinds of vehicles that local jurisdictions are talking about. So there could be very different situations.
4: Yes, and that's why I asked is there a pot since you mentioned that reliability was a problem with the transit vehicles? I just wondered the extent to which fixing that would fix the economics of moving forward.
2: Well, um, I mean, it would certainly help. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think the initial purchase price is still um, substantially higher than is it? buying a diesel bus at this point.
5: There's a, um, the State just formed this Transit Transformative Task Force also. And they're supposed to be looking at all these mm-hmm. issues. Um, I think it's a, at least a two-year effort. So we'll see, because they're supposed to cover a lot. but. Um, I'm thinking, Commissioner, if that's something that you want us to be more intentional about referencing, it might. Um, maybe we want to put it under item four: enhancing multimodal options, because the net impact is really on transit and our ability. Because if we can't get the proper inventory, the rolling stock, and that's going to be our ability to really service the public with service. I so... leave
6: it to you to figure out where it
5: would. Okay. Perfect. Um. Okay, sorry. So, someone else have questions?
1: So I just wanted to um, throw out adding into maybe two or someplace else strategy, yes. a discussion about school bus funding. Okay. I think it's very different than transit funding, at yeah. least in Marin County. And I and now I think we're in transit is going to be looking for
6: mm-hmm.
1: help. Um, and maybe this isn't the year to do it, but maybe in a year where education funding is also being hit, that there will be pressure to take that off of independent schools, but I don't think we meet our climate goals or our congestion management goals without utilizing yellow placements, unfortunately. And the transit isn't a direct fit. So I'd love to just have a more concerted effort on okay. school bus streets.
5: Okay. You know, actually um I think Senator Skinner had a I gotta double check there might have been a bill on that last year so i'll i'll, I'll get back to you with that information and we'll draft something thank you of course
0: Think you're good gus keep going yeah uh, did you have another question or yes
4: yeah. but not about what we're
5: talking about. Oh, okay <laughs> okay um so just very quickly uh, so item three is the one where I would love to get your feedback. So the the main item here is, we all know MTC is going uh, to sponsor legislation. It's gonna be offered by Senator Scott Wiener um, in order to do a regional measure for uh, transit. And so not sure what the funding source is going to be. Um, As of yet, they haven't determined that. Um, There's some discussion as to whether or not it's just a, a blanket authority or if it's something codified that's more intentional about an expenditure plan which is what we did with regional measure three, where the Narrows among other projects were referenced in statutes before it went out to voters. So um, we just had some very generic language in there saying that we would coordinate with MTC without really doing, hard to commit to something without knowing what the, um, you know, (laughs) what what the ingredients are in the meal, right? So it's, um, feels like uh, MTC has been doing a lot of outreach with the, with the county transportation agencies and um, Senator Wiener's office has been reaching out to talk to the advocates and I'm sure Senator McGuire will have a say on things. I mean, um, Wiener had a bill last year that you might uh, recall on trying to increase the bridge tolls of uh, beyond uh, what they currently are. And member Connolly came out most seriously in the press and said, I'm not voting for that. Some other Bay Area members did too and um i think th- there might be um a desire again to codify some of these projects so that it's tangible to voters before that gets put on the ballot. So. any any feedback on on that is there any direction i mean we'll clearly whatever we hear we'll talk to ann and dave about but um
2: yeah i mean I, I would just add i think because so much of it is up in the air still in terms of Where's the money coming from? What's it going to be used for? Is it even all nine counties in the Bay Area? So at this point, I think right. just kind of monitoring yeah. makes sense. But obviously it's going to be uh, you know an important item in the Bay Area this year.
5: Yeah, there's so on that just on that front, what triggered my my, my memory was if they elect to go with, with the sales tax, we're under what's called the Bradley Burns cap of two percent. We have some cities that are at or very close to that amount. So that might, for lack of a better word, I don't know, disqualify us from participating. I don't know what MTC is going to think. Alameda and Contra Costa don't have the same cap limits. So they've got jurisdictions that pay 10 and a half, 11% for sales tax. They can go higher if they want, but we're limited. Uh, Sonoma has, just for context, uh, their cap's at 3%, but that sunsets um, in January 1 of 2026. So they're back down the 2%. So... MTC is going to have to look at that if they decide that that's the source that they want to utilize the funds, whatever measure it is that they want to perform.
1: So I thought we talked about this at this committee, kind of this measure. I can't remember if it was in November or December. November. Yeah. Okay. It was two months ago. I guess my concern is how it could hurt the housing measure that's, you know, well, how just not only the actual two different measures, but I just feel like having a regional agency move a transit at the same time a regional agency is moving for a housing could end up with a no one. Exactly.
5: Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I would defer to Anne or Dave on this. My understanding is that MTC wants to do the housing one first and then come in 2026 with the transit measure. That's also the same time that SMART wants to renew their measure, and who knows what other cities are going to have on the ballot, too. So, yeah.
1: And talking about it, pre-2026 could be aligning up with when BAFA goes on the ballot. I guess yeah. that's where I feel like there could be just a timing fatigue yeah. or, or yeah. pushback on regional agency yeah. But Absolutely. right now, I feel like BAFA is really important.
3: Absolutely. Isn't part of the problem also that this is regional? And a lot of those resources are outside of our county. And so a lot of those transportation resources, like Bart, for example, right, all these things are they're not even in our county, right? So we're basically funding something which is frankly has very little impact on our own mobility here. So it doesn't seem like something that is a high priority for us, um, given the location, right, and given the impact. It's a high cost, little impact measure from our standpoint.
4: Well, that, yeah. won't there be some return to source?
2: Well, they have not committed to that, that detail yet. I mean, the expenditure plan right now is very, very broad. So while BART and Muni and Caltrain, to some extent, are the transit operators with the biggest shortfalls right now, um, I think most transit operators are, you know, could certainly use some additional revenue. So, you know, it, may or may not be the case that there are sort of donor counties and donee counties, if you will. That's kind of funky terminology, but to your point, um, you know, and, and I think transit is probably not going to be the only thing in the measure also. You know, they've been talking about kind of a complete streets or safe streets type program and maybe some other things, maybe some resiliency kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are some, if those were to end up in the expenditure plan, you know, there are some categories where even a small county like Marin could potentially benefit. So that's kind of where I think there's, um, you know, remains to be seen what this looks like and whether or not it ends up being supportable or supported here.
5: But that also, I think it's an opportunity, right? So in a discussion with Ann and and others, if you did have priorities and you said, we should fund this, we did that in Regional Measure 3 where it was the Narrows, I think it might've been the Bettini Center. Um, I can't remember what else that we had in there. So I think Senator McGuire is going to be interested in that to be quite honest because when the toll bridge broke came out, He's like, well, I, you know, this is pretty amorphous. I don't know what the funding is going towards. He didn't feel very comfortable with it aside from just the increase. Um, so that's a longer conversation, you know, for you guys to engage in if you want. I mean, um, but do we qualify? What what funding source are they gonna use? What projects do you hope to get out of it?
3: If any? Yeah, I think we'd wanna see what projects we were gonna get out of it. I think that last portion is the most important. I think if we're going to support this thing, we need to know what impact it's going to be. How does transportation look different in Marin County in 10 years' time as a consequence of this tax? And if you can articulate that and it's compelling, then that's something that we would support. But if they can't articulate that, then there's no point. I think it's quite different than BAFA. BAFA, we've all got housing plants, right? We've all got housing elements. We know what we're doing, right? We just need a source of funding for it. That makes complete sense to me. This one doesn't.
6: So
0: long For now, we'll keep an eye on it. All
5: right. So the last thing, um, I think just item five, seeking efficiencies, just you know, random miscellaneous things. Um uh they're still working on the Brown Act. Uh, you know, Jennifer reads the notices every meeting. And so um what they did, what's enacted now as of Jan 1, 2024, is you have still the AB 361 privilege, if you will, they got rid of the sunset. So God forbid, if there's a natural disaster or something, the whole board can meet virtually. But um, there's actually a bill that's gonna be up on Wednesday, I believe it's assembly bill 817. Um, And that would make it so that um, if it's everybody's short of the board, I believe. So like exec, you know, could meet uh, virtually. Uh, with certain disclosures and such. And so that's a two-year bill that is going to be taken up in the assembly local government. Uh, so there's a little bit of reluctance, just, you know, we've all heard the stories um, as far as, um, you know, kind of tampering with uh, proceedings and such. And so there's a little bit of reluctance. Uh, people don't want to go too far. It's an accessibility issue for for some groups, too, to be able to come in person and just, you know, like seeing me in three weeks. So... <laughs> um, so we'll keep you posted as far as how that goes. And then just efficiencies. I mean, staff has to fill out so many different applications for all these grant programs. And so we're trying to get the commission, um, you know, let's say the transportation Commission, just to be more mindful. Is there like a streamlined process that they can provide that saves us time, saves us money um, on putting the best product forward without having to replicate, you know? So it, it's that kind of stuff that's it. So, and that's it. There's not really ma- much change to the, uh, the Fed stuff, uh, it's just updating. We, we already know that the fast Act is old and so like like Dan um, said, it's just uh, it's just making things more current to
0: sports I think. that's all. that's the that's the platform. Thank, you, Gus. Thank you. Questions for Gus? All right. Jennifer. The public comment online?
1: I don't
0: see any hands raised at this time, Chair. Thank you so much. Let me bring it back. And I believe this is our only action item. There's actually, uh, uh, so actually, and we need to adopt this?
2: Yes. Well, this would be referred to the full board.
0: Okay. So the action is a motion to send it to the full board?
2: board. Yeah. And I noted two things that you asked us to add on the yellow bus funding and on the um, transit zero emission bus.
0: Commissioner Carmelo has made a motion including those two changes. We have a first. I'll move it. Second by Fredericks. Deja vu. Uh, Call the roll. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Passage unanimous. We are adjourned. David, oh sorry, David, did you have something?
2: Uh, Just a quick question about this item. Um, Depending on what else is on the board agenda, Would you recommend this go on consent or on the regular calendar at the full board?
0: I think consent would be pretty good. I agree. I mean, I...
6: Some people can pull it off if they want to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think the changes have been particularly material, particularly at the stage that we're at, sort of monitoring can
6: You can characterize when you talk, speak to consent. Okay.
0: (laughs) As my role as chair, Chair. Thank you, David. All right, I think we're set and adjourned.
6: Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, should I get two years close?